Hey, good morning, everybody. Welcome to Hope in this time of worship on this 4th of July weekend. Thanks to uh, Pastor Steve for putting together that beautiful tribute that we uh, just watched. You know, uh, on Friday, Marilyn and I were watching the uh, Broadway production of Hamilton, and it was, it's a great show, and what a great reminder of the struggle of the founding of this country as these uh, founding fathers were trying to put together these documents that became um, our principles that we are uh, now living by. I think it's really the strength of our country. You know, this, it's always been a struggle, but we decided that we were going to allow the people of this country to make the decisions about how to live into those principles that were laid down in our founding documents of the Declaration of Independence, the Constitution, the Federalist Papers, and so. And every generation has to figure out how do those apply to the age in which we live. And uh, I think that's the strength of our great country that we celebrate. And uh, so happy 4th of July. Speaking of founding documents that give us principles to live by, um, our founding documents as Christ followers are found in the pages of the scripture. And this morning we're starting a new series based on the book of James. Yeah, so we're doing this brand new series uh, using the letter that James wrote. And, and James was a brother of Jesus. Uh, now, Jesus had several brothers. James was likely the oldest of those brothers. And Interesting, James didn't believe the things that Jesus said about himself during his ministry, but it was after Jesus' death and resurrection that James became a follower of Jesus and a Christ follower. And so what's, uh, what's going to be neat to see over this series is that uh, many of the similarities in the teachings of Jesus are found in James's letter. Uh, so, so the Red Letter series that we just completed and this series uh, that we're calling Wisdom, Timeless Insights from James, have this great connection to each other. And really, the overarching theme that we'll see through James's letter is that uh, he's teaching how to live wisely in this world. So when we talk about wisdom and scripture, one of the first people that comes to mind for most of us would be Solomon. Solomon was known for his wisdom. He's the one who penned, in fact, the Proverbs that we um, have in the Old Testament. Solomon's wisdom is known worldwide, and it all started at a very young age. Solomon was the youngest son of King David, and when David died, Solomon took on the mantle of the responsibility of now being the king, being the point leader of Israel. And um, so can you imagine, 20 years old, David, who has ruled the kingdom for uh, 39 years, so twice Solomon's life, David's been king, and now this 20-year-old has this responsibility. Well, God appears to uh, Solomon in a dream and offers him as a tribute to David to grant Solomon one wish. He can wish for great wealth. He can wish for great power, death of his enemies. Whatever he wants, God will give it to him. And what Solomon asked God for in that moment was, Lord, give me an understanding heart that I might rule your people well. Give me wisdom. And I think the insight of that for this young man really set the uh, direction for his leadership all the way through. Yeah, so understanding that about wisdom, let's look at some practical insights that James offers for us 
Uh, We're reading from James chapter 1. It's going to be on the screen here over my shoulder. And it says this. James says, If you need wisdom, ask our generous God and he will give it to you. He will not rebuke you for asking. But when you ask him, be sure that your faith is in God alone. Do not waver. For a person with divided loyalty is as unsettled as a wave of the sea that is blown and tossed by the wind. Such people should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. Their loyalty is divided between God and the world, and they are unstable in everything they do. So when we're talking about uh, wisdom, we need to distinguish between wisdom and knowledge. Mm Um, so knowledge really is information, information. We are an information laden people. We have more knowledge mm. in our available to us than probably any other time on the planet. We literally carry the world's knowledge around in our pockets and we can access information instantly. In seconds, we can have a tremendous amount of knowledge. People often say that knowledge is power. And I don't agree with that. I don't think knowledge is power. Knowledge is simply information. Wisdom is what gives knowledge power. Wisdom is the process of making the decisions about how to use knowledge um, and what we're going to prioritize, what we're going to utilize in our lives. That's where wisdom comes in. That's the nature of wisdom. And Solomon makes the point, or Solomon, James (laughs) makes the point that wisdom, true wisdom comes from God. Yeah, and so while it's possible that it's uh, that you can live wisely without a relationship with Jesus, there are because there certainly are wise people who do not have faith in God. As Christ followers, though, we believe that believing in Jesus and living life as Jesus did brings promises and brings blessings. Uh, things like an abundant life. Jesus talked about an abundant life, the best life possible. Uh, It brings an eternal life, and it also brings a promise that God is living inside of every Christ follower, that the Holy Spirit gives each of us the power to live a wisdom-filled life. And I think it's so fitting that in this letter that's filled with practical ways to live, James begins early on by saying that we can ask God for wisdom. And, And he says that we get it And it's almost as if it's a freebie. I've written in the margin of my Bible, uh, freebie, that God gives this to us. Because James says, if you need wisdom, ask, and he will give it to you. And it so reminded me of the ask, seek, knock uh, uh, scriptures that we used a few weeks ago when we are talking about Jesus' teaching. Uh, it's that same kind of thing. Now, the takeaway this morning, if, uh, uh, if you want us to jump to where we're headed, uh, it's this. It's up on the screen right now. Wisdom is not what you know, but how you live. It's not what you know, but how you live. As Pastor Jeff said, wisdom isn't information. The information alone, that's not it. It's more than that. It's even more than knowledge. It's not what you know. Wisdom is putting our knowledge into practice. Uh, it's, it's, uh, it's not theoretical at all. It's how you live. And, I, and it's so, for me, it connected to how we go through this process of preparing for messages. The preaching team, uh, when we're together and when we're preparing messages, we'll ask the question, so what? 
And really what we're saying when we say, so what, Jeff, you know that, is that we're really asking, uh, based on the knowledge that we're learning, that we've, that we've read from Scripture, how are we going to live? So what? So maybe I know this, but now how am I going to live? Because if all we have is knowledge from the Bible, we're going to be really good at Bible trivia, mm-hmm. uh, but we're probably going to fail at living this life. So the so what is what this is all about. It's, wisdom is not what you know, but how you live. So, you know, as Rick and I were uh, working on this message, we were talking about, you know, an illustration, a story that uh, makes this point. And my grandmother came to mind, Graham Keating. So Graham Keating um, didn't have a lot of formal education. She moved to the United States from Scotland when she was about 14 years old. She never drove a car. Um, She raised three children with her husband, Joseph, and they moved around uh, following his job opportunities. At some point in their lives, Joe decided he wanted to run a restaurant. And uh, so they bought property in uh, the shore community of Ocean Grove and, uh, and built Keating's Cozy Cottage. <laughs> when you think of eating, think of Keating. <laughs> so um, they started this restaurant, and a couple of years in, Joe suddenly died. Now, now, Graham Keating didn't have knowledge about how to run a restaurant. She was not a bookkeeper. She wasn't a manager. She hadn't ever run a staff. She hadn't um, run property. All of these things that go into running a restaurant, she had very little knowledge of. The thing about Graham Keating, though, was she was a woman of deep faith. She loved God with all of her heart, and she sought to follow him every day of her life. And so rather than giving up on this restaurant that was also their livelihood, she rolled up her sleeves and began to work. And through the little knowledge that she had and this godly wisdom, she was able to run that restaurant for over a decade on her own before she finally retired and and sold that restaurant. Here's what we're not saying. We're not saying that knowledge doesn't matter, Mm -hmm. that all you need is wisdom. But what we are saying is that a little, bit of wi- a little bit of knowledge with a lot of godly wisdom is far more significant than a lot of knowledge that lacks godly wisdom. Right. So let's see. James uh, uh, continues with this theme of godly wisdom as we practice it in our lives in chapter 3 of the same letter. So again, it's up on the screen. And he says, if you are wise and understand God's ways, prove it by living an honorable life, doing good works with the humility that comes from wisdom. But if you are bitterly jealous and there is selfish ambition in your heart, don't cover up the truth with boasting and lying, for jealousy and selfishness are not God's kind of wisdom. Such things are earthly, unspiritual, and demonic. For wherever there is jealousy and selfish ambition, there you will find disorder and evil of every kind. But the wisdom from above is, first of all, pure. It is also peace-loving, gentle at all times, and willing to yield to others. It is full of mercy and the fruit of good deeds. It shows no favoritism and is always sincere. And those who are peacemakers will plant seeds of peace and reap a harvest of righteousness." So James here is telling us that there are these two kinds of wisdom, right? There is worldly wisdom and there's godly wisdom. And each of them have, you know, their 
impact, right? So worldly wisdom is always short-sighted, it's always flawed, and it's always doomed to failure. And in practical implications, James talks about the fact that worldly wisdom leads to things like jealousy and betrayal and boasting and uh, uh, disorder. Disorder, that was the word. I knew it was a dis word. Mm -hmm. Um, So those are the kinds of things that that the uh, wisdom of the world ultimately leads to. Godly wisdom is eternal. God's wisdom is is always going to prevail. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Jeff, did you notice? I know you did because we've just we've talked about it all week. But did you notice that James says that says this about godly wisdom? It is proven by the life we live. Mm-hmm. Uh, he said, if you're wise and understand God's ways, prove it by living an honorable life. The NIV translation uh, says that James is asking a rhetorical question and answer. In the NIV, it says, "Who is wise and understanding among you?" Let them show it by their good life. So how you and I live life is the proof of the godly wisdom in our life. It sounds very much like it's not what you know, but how you live. Yeah. So this whole idea of godly wisdom, again, that James is articulating, has this feature of service. Mm -hmm. It causes us to serve and in modeling Jesus, serve with a spirit of humility. You know, this whole Hope Outside initiative that we have going on this summer, and I hope uh, if you haven't been paying attention to it, that you begin to plug into this and see ways that you can be involved in Hope Outside. Um, But it really is this idea of serving others outside of our community, as well as inside, but outside of our community, um, doing acts of service and humility. And some are going to be, um, you know, little ways, little acts of kindness, Um, I was in a Bible study, uh, a Zoom Bible study this past week, and uh, the guys in the study said, hey, you know, what we ought to do, we ought to pool some money together and uh, and have lunch sent over to the local police department. Wouldn't that be cool? And so, you know, that's a little thing. It doesn't take a lot of effort, but it's just a way to bless um, uh, the police Mm -hmm. in the town. Mm -hmm. There's another woman who um, wasn't really part of this hope outside, but this active service um, demonstrate that sometimes it's a lot more involved and involves a lot more of us. So she wanted to serve her community. And so she decided to run for township council and she won. Now I know her well. She's a woman of deep faith. She loves the Lord with all of her heart and she wanted to serve her community in this way. And so she brings in this godly wisdom. She brings in a spirit of real humility into this, it's a volunteer position, but it's, it's a lot of time and a lot of effort. So that's the key, though. However we serve, um, and we're called to serve, but we do it with the spirit of humility. Yeah, yeah. This, uh, uh, it's, it's so relevant in today's world. This COVID-19 uh, experience that we're all in disrupted the church. I mean, it closed the doors of our buildings and church buildings around the world. And, and for many churches, uh, sadly, it means, uh, it means it's going to mean the end for them because their buildings were their identities and they were so tied up in what their building was that they, they, they've lost the way to do ministry and they're just struggling to survive. And we've said this over and over again that hope has never been about a building. But just saying that is, is that knowledge that we're talking about. We may know it. It's information that hope has never been about a building. 
but we've always practiced and continue to practice in these last few months even more so that hope outside, this whole idea of hope outside is that, is that the church is not a building. It's about uh, uh, being ministry and practically living wisdom out in our lives. It's not what you know, but how you live. It's, 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 it's simply living a pure life so that our words match our actions. It could be something like demonstrating how to get along with someone else when you're in conflict. It's putting other people first, uh, uh, living life so that people feel honored. Uh, it's standing up for equality and standing up for justice at all costs for all people. It's, it's living the, a sincere life, truthful, real, authentic. And, and, you know, I think it's so encouraging that the church in Voorhees may have closed the building, but it has expanded and, and with our online campus expanded to over a dozen states. And so the church, you and I, we're living out how we live in front of our family and friends and neighbors beyond any church building, more than we ever imagined possible. Yeah, amen to that. So, Jesus said, I've come that you might have life mm. and life abundant. And I believe that the pathway as we follow Christ, the way that we experience that abundant life is as we live into this godly wisdom, not just knowledge of God, but that we are living mm. into it. You know, it's never more evident how people are going to choose between the wisdom of the world and godly wisdom than in times of conflict, in times of hardship and struggle. And we are certainly in those times, both individually for many of us, as well as corporately as a community of faith and as a country. And so as you go into these things, as I go into these things, we need to be focusing our attention on how can I practice godly wisdom? Just as Solomon prayed, Lord, give me a heart of understanding. That should be our prayer. So when we're facing things like a pandemic and a health crisis across the country, how I behave grows out of godly wisdom. That when we're dealing with issues in our, in our world and in our uh, communities of racism, that my question is, Lord, how do I exercise godly wisdom? That when we're coming into a political season, an election season, and I've been through a lot of these over the past 30 years, and they're always contentious, and we have a diverse congregation, which I think is our strength, mm -hmm. but that we go into these seasons asking ourselves, how do I behave? Not just what do I know, how do I behave in ways that demonstrate godly wisdom so that we all might experience the abundant life that Christ promises us. We're going to turn it over now to um, our worship team to uh, close us out.